Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. By the way, uh, it's got a little bit of a late start here. Had a technical glitch. We got it all worked out, thank goodness. So if you're listening live, uh, thank you for that. And if you're, uh, most most people actually lif- listen to the uh, podcast. So I wanted to take a stop and, and uh, fix that. We have Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, visiting with us today. We talked to her about what happened in the state elections. Look forward to that feedback. Boo Mortensen will be with us. She's here on the Paradise Coast. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, uh, writes greetings and paragraphs. Paradise has a big following here on the Paradise Coast. We'll look forward to her comments as well. It is November the 10th, and on this day in 1775, during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress passed a resolution stating that two battalions of Marines be raised for service as landing forces for the recently formed Continental Navy. The resolution, drafted by future U.S. President John Adams and adopted in Philadelphia, created the Continental Marines and is now observed as the birth date of the United States Marine Corps. Serving on land and sea, uh, the original U.S. Marines distinguished themselves in a number of important operations during the Revolutionary War. The first Marine landed on hostile shore occupied, occurred when a force of Marines under Captain Samuel Nicholas captured New Providence Island in the Bahamas for the British in 1776. Nicholas was the first commissioned officer in the Continental Marines and is celebrated as the first Marine Commandant. After American independence was achieved in 1783, the Continental Navy was demobilized and its Marines disbanded. In the next decade, however, increasing conflict at sea with revolutionary France led to the U.S. Congress to establish formally the U.S. Navy in May of 1798. Two months later, on July the 11th, President John Adams signed the bill establishing the U.S. Marine Corps as a permanent military force under the jurisdiction of the Department of Navy. U.S. Marines saw action in the so-called Quasi War with France and then fought against the Barbary Pirates of uh, not one cent for tribute. Remember that? Of North Africa during the first years of the 19th century. Since then, of course, the Marines have distinguished themselves in so many different ways. And uh, right now they have uh, divisions, four divisions, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, Camp Pendleton in California, New Orleans, Louisiana, and Okinawa, Japan. And, of course, the motto of the uh, is a Semper Fidelis, meaning always faithful. I have a tremendous respect for the Marines. And uh, founded on this day in 1775, was it? Yeah, 1775. Well, Fox News Channel crashed in ratings on Saturday, coming in a distant third place to leader CNN now, and second place MSNBC. In a week before Tuesday's election, Fox News averaged more than double the viewership of these two stations. Isn't it interesting how quickly it could change? Uh, and uh, ratings are down. And why are they down? Well, of course, they f- were out of the gate first to announce that uh, Arizona had uh, gone to Biden. And then uh, the owner of the station has uh, clearly Murdoch 
I guess she is the the wife of Kathleen Murdoch, says that she's so pleased that Biden has been elected. So we're seeing a lot of the news go that direction right now, and it's not pleasing listeners and uh, watchers and people who visit the website. I personally am not visiting the website at all. There's lots of great alternatives to Fox News. Uh, refuse to watch Fox News. Uh, it's just uh, a shame what's happened. But uh, somebody gets good stations like uh, we're watching uh, Newsmax TV. They do a great job. And of course, uh, <laughs> or, uh, um, I, know, I forgot his name. But anyhow, uh, there are a lot of great choices out there. And uh, just encourage you. Uh, they, she said basically, hey, these viewers are going to come back. We don't have to worry about it. Well, we're not. We have a lot of other choices. President Donald Trump took to Twitter yesterday afternoon to assure his supporters he'll be successful in four key battleground states after issues surrounding alleged election fraud are all sorted out. Uh, he talked about Nevada as being a cesspool of fake votes, and uh, yeah, he personally witnessed two people uh, he uh, referred to in Nevada, uh, people who personally witnessed two people handling multiple unopened ballot box, uh, boxes. So uh, he's basically saying, hey, look, stay with us, stay alive, uh, just don't uh, give up the ghost here because we're going to be victorious in this, he said, in four states. I think, though, uh, just in case you're wondering, by the way, Real Clark, Clear Politics has thrown Pennsylvania into the undecided column. So as of tonight, Joe Biden has 259 electoral votes uh, in his column. Kind of interesting that they changed that. I think indicating, tipping their hand, they think that perhaps uh, there's real credibility in this challenge from the president. Here's the most important and interesting news. <clears throat> Attorney General William Barr, in a memo issued on yesterday, authorized the Department of Justice to look into voting irregularities in 2020 in the election. The memo was addressed and signed from Barr to U.S. attorneys, the Assistant Attorneys General for the uh, Department of Justice's Criminal Division, Civil Rights Division, the National Security Division, and the Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Christopher Wray. There's a lot of divisions. We've got a lot going over there at the Department of Justice. Now the voting has concluded. It's imperative that the American people can trust our elections that were conducted in such a way that the outcomes accurately reflect the will of the voters. And I can't underscore the importance of that more than right now. I think it's so important that Barr is doing that. Uh, what he's saying is, look, we don't have a, a horse in this race. We're not interested in uh, somehow protecting Donald Trump's victory. Uh, that's not the case. But what he is saying, and this is so important, we want to assure the American people that the votes that you cast are going to be counted, number one. And number two, the outcome of the election will be according to the people's wishes, not according to some political motivation or because people heisted uh, the election. Uh, he said concerns that overt actions taken by the Department of Justice in this case are greatly minimized since the voting has been concluded. Now, the fact of the matter is that uh, there may be a stack here of, uh, or a stack there of uh, election results. And, uh, you know, it's not going to add up to 50,000 votes in one particular state. But if there are systemic fraud in this election where thousands and thousands of ballots were thrown one way or the other, then it can have a major outcome. And I'm just really pleased that the Department of Justice is stepping up at this time, not with the, not with the intent of exploring criminal behavior, but making sure that the elections are fair. Now, if they find out the elections aren't fair and there's been some sort of criminal activity, well, of course, there are federal laws that protect us uh, from that, and there will be consequences legal, legally for that.
Uh, so, and by the way, so uh, Barr is doing this in the Department of Justice. That's great. And then Trump held a press conference yesterday night to make sure that the message came through. The election is not over because the results are in dispute. And uh, Kelly McAnally uh, spelled that out. Ask yourself this. What are Pennsylvania Democrats hiding? Why can't poll watchers simply observe the count? She raises great questions. So. Uh, Two-prong attack here. Certainly uh, the legal, uh, <laughs> this is scores and scores of attorneys that are working on this on behalf of the Republican Party and, and the presidential campaign. But in addition to that, there needs to be some support. So people keep the faith uh, while this is all going on. And the president is, is doing that. He's also planning, I think, to uh, hold some rallies to keep people involved and uh, assured that uh, this is going to all happen. Now, by the way, have you noticed there are no, uh, there's no violence in the street from Republicans? People are quiet. They're just letting this process play out. What do you think would happen if the shoe were on the other foot? Just like, just a question. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Visit lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So, you know, I really haven't seen any of the results uh, from the state elections. I mean, we certainly know what's happened here locally, and congratulations to Byron Donalds. But how did things come out for the uh, for us on uh, on on the state level? Well, on the state level, we did incredibly well. Um, there was a, a lot of uh, talk that the Democrats were going to uh, take a number of seats in the Florida House. And in fact, they lost seats and uh, we have been pursuing additional seats in the Senate. And uh, we, we came back with our 23 and we are in a runoff for picking up a uh, currently held Democrat seat to make it 24. Um, so we, we feel very, very pleased with the outcome of the election in Florida. And I, and I suppose also pleased with the uh, presidential results and the national results as well. Well, for Florida, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Florida has been for the last couple of elections been, uh, everybody's calling it a purple state, but it looks like we're turning red, yeah. uh, redder, or back to red, <coughs> which is good because, um, at least for now, I don't know how long that'll last with all the people from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, Massachusetts that are liberals moving to Florida. So we'll see how that pans out in the next couple of elections. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although I, I'd like a little shout out to our supervisors of elections here in, in uh, Florida. I, I know ours is terrific. Jennifer Edwards does a terrific job here. And it's so important yeah. to have these people in place that can keep the process moving and keep it on time and keep it effective and keep it uh, accurate. And that uh, seems to be what's going on in Florida. We've come away, a long way since 2000 and the hanging chads. Yeah, absolutely, and and I um, I think we can credit the Florida legislature for um, the legislation that uh, we have passed um, at least over the last ten years that I've been in the legislature and before that, with regard to the whole voting practices. You know, everything's done by electronic ballot, but uh, we in Florida offer many many different ways for people to vote. It's secure. It's safe. Um, and even though other states may have have had concerns about mail-in ballots in Florida, we are well-versed in that practice. And, in fact, uh, I would say, particularly in areas like uh, Naples, where we have a lot of uh, uh, residents who, who are up north for the summer, yeah. that's the only way that they'd be voting is yeah. by mail-in. So um, it's it worked. People got their ballots in, and... Uh, we didn't have any of the issues that other states had. We were done very quickly yeah. on uh, election night. I mean, and the backup is just terrific. Uh, we took our ballots down. We voted by uh, absentee uh, ballots, voting by mail, I guess. But we actually took the ballots down to Jennifer Everett's office and deposited them there. Right. And, and uh, you can actually check online to see if your vote has been counted and uh, received. Exactly. So, uh, just, and, you know, the... the um, the, the good part about all of it is that what we authorize in Florida is as the uh, uh, ballots are received, they are, they are opened, they are uh, uh, counted, 
of course, nobody could read the results because it's put into the machine, which held those the results uh, securely until uh, the polls closed in Florida. But um, we didn't have the you know how many days worth of counting for other states that didn't have the capacity that we we did in Florida. Uh, we also passed uh, a bill. Uh, that I was uh, involved in on curing signature, um, the, the signature cure, and or the, the, the vote by mail, if somebody forgot to sign it right or forgot to sign it at all, et cetera, et cetera. We put in a process that's very um, detailed, uh, requires the supervisors to contact voters when they got a ballot in that the signatures didn't match or there was no signature. And so, you know, everybody's vote, uh, uh, was counted. Yeah. Um, unless somebody, you know, uh, refused to respond to the supervisors. So well, Florida is a model state at this point. Well, exactly. My comment is that it seems to me other states who are struggling with this issue uh, could certainly use Florida as an example. But, uh, you know, I yeah. wonder if they're struggling or whether, uh, to me, uh, there's uh, obviously the president is saying there's voter fraud going on. It's systemic. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, that. It's hard. It's hard to tell because I'm not involved in any of the other states' accounting practices. Mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to uh, to have such a widespread voter fraud or or tampering with ballots or whatever that that would change the outcome because the numbers are significant. I think some of the practices that other states employ uh, are are don't make sense. You know, I look at what makes sense. For example. Um, allowing uh, you know people to actually put a ballot in the mail on election day, and then how many days afterwards to count it? That doesn't make sense, particularly when you have, at least in Florida, we had a whole month to uh, get our ballots or more to get our ballots in the mail. So right. it doesn't make sense to put it in the mail on election day, and then you've got you know uh, some uh, states that don't put uh, um, the um, state stamp on on stamps and stuff like that. So I think there should be a uniform. If you vote, you can vote until the polls close on Election Day. My feeling is after that, it's done. And and the other thing (laughs) is, for example, in Pennsylvania, uh, they waive state law in order to start to count ballots. That's just not right. They should. No. If the law says midnight, the law hit. It's midnight. If it comes in at 1201, it doesn't count. So I agree with that. Although that's that apparently that um, you know I mean that's not a que- that's not a fraud question that's no. uh, a, co- a, a, a judicial determination and I don't know how that's going to play out. Nor do we know how many ballots actually came in after midnight on election day. I, yeah. I think they probably know that. Um, you know I've heard it all over the place. I did you know you, you hear anecdotally that it wasn't enough to make. A difference, yeah. but I, I believe that it should be challenged. I think, as as Lindsey Graham said, you can't just give. Give if you have a concern, it needs to be addressed. Absolutely, if you don't address it. That's wrong too. Absolutely, because we need reassurance that our country that right. the system is working here. Right. Hey, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, I mean, I, exactly. I need just to say I'm highly invested in the president having a second term. But my energy around that doesn't necessarily 
make a difference in terms of how the outcome comes. So, well, it needs to be fair. If 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 uh, Biden won, he won. But let's have it. Let's make sure that it's fair. And I really appreciate uh, our attorney general stepping up and saying, "Look, we're going to look into this and make sure we have no systemic fraud. Make sure that all votes count." Right. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's uh, wise. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I you know I'm just kind of I'm excited by the fact that so many people came out to vote, whether mm-hmm. Democrat, Republican, uh, Independent, uh, people, I mean, so many people who had never voted before voted, and it was not <coughs> just one side. It was yeah. just all, all everyone. Yeah. And and uh, it's, it's wonderful to see that, and, well, you know, that energy and that enthusiasm for the for the process. I must say, though, there's a disconnect when I watch 12 people show up when Biden gives a speech, he's talking to empty automobiles. <laughs> I just understand, see the, the connection to all the votes that came out for Biden. Maybe they're just anti-Trump votes, but I'm not. Well, you know, I look, the way I looked at it, there were a lot of people who there was um, a philosophy at the top on both, you know, both sides. This is all about COVID and public gathering. Um, I don't think I would equate a lack of numbers or great numbers uh, with the votes that came out because um, there were a lot of people like I vote, uh, you know, I'm a Republican, I vote Republican, but I didn't go to any of the uh, rallies, uh, you know, first of all, because uh, I have family members who are older, and and then um, the last month I've been home with my ailing mother who just passed away. Oh, I'm so So sorry. There's a lot of reasons why so i don't think you could equate the two yeah our our sympathies i'm so sorry thank you well kathleen you know i just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show thank you so much for joining us thank you and have a great day you as well thank you didn't realize that her mother had passed but i knew she was oh she's elderly so god bless her all right coming up we're going to be visiting with boo mortensen it's time to find out what's new with boo that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. 
With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the great one of the initiatives. You can visit the website thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. How you doing? I'm doing well, and it's uh, business as usual, great weather today at least. So this is the first question. If you were Trump, would you continue to investigate and demand recalls? I mean, and uh, review the votes? Well, I think there's real evidence of, yeah. uh, of uh, uh, fraud, and uh, there's irregularities in the voting outcome. That's saying it nicely, I think. So absolutely. I mean, I want to know that my vote counts. I know here in Florida that's not a question, but in other places of the country, I think they're real mm-hmm. questionable behavior. So I think, uh, he, you know, I, I, I totally endorse this. I'm especially pleased as I mentioned earlier in the show, that the attorney generals come out and said, I'm, we're going to do an investigation, not with the intent. We just want to make sure that the, that the election is fair so everybody feels comfortable with the process. Right, right. What do you think? Okay, the second question is... No, 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 no Boo. What, you, boo, you, you got you got to tell me what you think. <laughs> oh, no, I think that he should, yeah. absolutely. Okay. I think that there are too many indicators that in some states the voting wasn't as... Uh, forthright as it should have been. Right. Okay. Good. No, I agree. I think he should. He'd be a fool not to. Absolutely. Um, is there a transition if Trump doesn't concede? Well, I mean, uh, my per- he doesn't like to lose. I know that. But once he's assured that, that the investigation is complete and that he lost the race, I would be very surprised if he resisted at all. I think he would concede and... Uh, and, and with, a, with a peaceful transition. What do you think? Well, I do. Uh, but how long does that take? Does it take a month? Well, here's the thing. I mean, this... this uh, I think Biden is already moving his furniture in. Well, you know, uh, there, there is this uh, $9.9 million transition fund, apparently, that's uh, released uh, for the winner of the election. But the uh, inspector general has not released the money and won't until the election is secure and complete. And what that means mm-hmm. is the results are certified state by state, number one, and the, and the, then they can determine who's going to be uh, the president-elect, and not until then. So, uh, the, you know... The, however long it takes. However long it takes, and it may be beyond, it may go into January. Remember, uh, uh, Gore, that case would for uh, 37 days as i understand it so uh, it would surprise me because sometimes the the wheels of justice grind slowly uh it may take it may go into january sometime yeah yeah 
All right, my last question is, and this is more philosophic, uh-huh. is do you believe that there is a lesson for mankind to learn from the virus? Is there a lesson in all of this? Hmm. Well, there. I think there's a number of lessons. My knee-jerk reaction to this is, look, uh, don't allow fear to take over. In other words, the lesson here is let's keep things in perspective and understand what's going on. And I think the reaction up front was very wise, I think, to, to make sure let's, let's close things down and figure out what the heck is going on. But once we figured it out, I think somehow, some way, I think the fear was more contagious than the virus itself. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. I, don't you find it a little suspicious that all of a sudden Pfizer comes out with a drug? Oh, yeah. Well, I the, mean, the timing is... Interesting. Well, there's, you know, my understanding is they actually sat on it for a month until after the election. Yes, yes, my point exactly. Yeah, so I mean, there's, uh, you know, clearly that was political in my view. It's, it's a shame. How many people died as a result? Not to say, yeah, <laughs> not to say that I'm a big fan of vaccines, but irrespective, it's just a shame that politics plays plays a role in something that important. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's all of a sudden a week later. Uh, they come out with this, and it's kind of like, really? Yeah. How come we haven't heard about uh, not a sliver of information about this prior? Yeah. And hey, another, by the way, another thing that I think we've learned and hopefully will incorporate, how long does it take to get something through the uh, FDA? It takes a long time, years sometimes. Now we've done yeah. this in a few months. Why can't we do this with, you know, wouldn't it reduce the cost of drugs? Wouldn't it... Uh, I think this all happened back because of thalidomide back in the day, you know, that we, we have so many conditions and barriers in order to get drugs on the market. And uh, many times Europe is a faster than we are by, by miles. So wh- why can't we speed up this process? You know, I think if there's any takeaway from this, mm-hmm. long-term takeaway for the benefit of mankind, that would be it, is if they can fast-track a lot of these drugs. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yes, you're right. A lot of people have died because the process is so convoluted. Maybe that'll all change. Maybe that's the good that will come out of this long term. Well, that's and FDA is is that, just one. That's just one area. You just think about all the other things that could be fast tracked. Uh, I, I had uh, Michael Cannon's going to be on the show tomorrow. He's the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. And uh, he just completed a study that said, you know, we have all these drugs that require a prescription. And his question is why? In most, in other countries, they don't even require, for insulin, for example. Why? There's not any danger in that, yet it requires a doctor's visit and a, and a prescription. We could certainly fast track a number of things in our healthcare system and reduce costs. Well, I, I hadn't thought of that, but I agree. Yeah. You know, maybe it will revolutionize the uh, pharmacy industry. Yeah. The other thing I don't think so, but it'll be interesting. I think there's a good chance too it's going to impact education, public education institutions, colleges and so forth. This has been so disruptive that this would be a time to have real innovation in education in a, in a number of ways which also could reduce costs. Oh my goodness. You know, I look at the University of Wisconsin and the massive campus. Mm-hmm. It's massive. Yeah. And the building that's going on, the the building for the science department, for the education department, and all of these pre, uh, professors that are all tenured for years and years, I hope that this does change. Talk about heavyweight. Um, 
education yeah. and the spiraling out of control costs. I hope that that really changes. Well, it's a great. Do we need all these big buildings and all these tenured professors? Not if you're not going into classes. That's exactly right, Boo. Well, you know, by the way, this has been a great discussion because for once, I mean, you, you actually said, I'm going to interview Bob. <laughs> yeah. Turning the wheel, turning the tables turning on the you. Turning the tables on me, indeed. Ooh, I always enjoy speaking with you and uh, your perspective. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, you bet. Yeah. My pleasure. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us. By the way, a little shout out to uh, Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Do a great job with breakfast and lunch. And also big supporters of St. Matthew's House. Lula B's Kitchen just opened uh, in uh, St. Matthew's House. You can get to actually uh, get takeout at Lula B's Diner. And also Uber Eats uh, provides uh, takeout and carryout as well. So again, Lula B's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden, my wife. We're talking about her column, Greetings in Paradise. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. So uh, you wrote a great column about Biden and uniting us. Uh, <laughs> and it's so interesting. You just uh, wonder when you hear OAC saying, that, you know what, we're going to start taking names. And <laughs> yeah, well, she's creating an 
enemies list while he's talking about uniting. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I had the hiccups, so if you, you'll have to forgive me. I don't know why. It just started. Well, no worries. Um, yeah, um, I'm allergic to AOC, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, um, when, when, when Biden comes out post-election, that he just finished, he and, he and his minions just finished stealing from Donald Trump, and then immediately calls for unity. Um, does no one remember that to, to buy the Democrat nomination in July, he and Bernie Sanders, the communist senator from Vermont, released what they called the unity platform, that that would be the Biden platform, and it's drafted by all the communists in the Democrat Party? I mean, does no one remember that? Yeah. When he calls for unity, he's not calling for unity with Republicans. No, those people get hobnail boots stuck on their necks. <laughs> uh, the unity he's calling for is his communist manifesto, 1934, you know, Soviet constitution, uh, Green New Deal, net neutrality, government broadband, um, $4 trillion in new taxes, income taxes, on top of all the taxes in the Green New Deal. That's the unity he's calling. Man, it's so, you know, already, well, let's, he's got his uh, a COVID-19 task force put together, and he's now oh. called for the governors to everybody have a mask mandate. In the meantime, yeah. what, what did we just discover? A vaccine. I mean, you know, we're talking about. Well, uh, yeah. Look, the vaccines. You know, it's not even a vaccine. It's, it's it's a it's a bridge thing. I was just watching it on CNBC. It's this bridge thing. It, it, it's it's a moonshot. You have to, you know, it. You you have to know you're sick and not yet have any symptoms to take this medication. Ah. So you know you have to. It's it, we're back to nine million tests a day per person. Yeah. You know. Because you can test for the virus, and then as you're leaving, you know, and, and test negative, you just don't know it yet because they haven't given the results yet. And as you're leaving, catch it for the next person in line for the test. I yeah. mean, it, the testing's a waste of time. All these vaccines are a waste of time. Everything we're doing is antithetical to what we know about viruses. We need to send young, healthy people out that aren't going to get very sick if they do at all, get sick at all, and we kill the virus for them. That's the only solution to this. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, this, is, this has never been about the, vac uh, the uh, virus. It's been about control. And the, the, the mask, <laughs> this isn't an armband. It's a face band. Yeah, Let's that's right. That way. Yeah, you know, you're so right, Seton. I mean, listen to, and I, you know, in fact, I, I just try and think about what would I do if, if we had a Biden presidency. And I think about, say, well, he's already thinking about joining the Paris Accord, you know, with the... With the uh, oh, day one. He's going to do the Paris Accord. He's going to... Um, there's a bunch of stupid things he says he's going to do on day one. I only hope he forgets what he said. <laughs> but, okay, so the, the main point here is that, uh, you know, I do believe that the election was won by President Donald Trump, and my hope is that the whole process will uncover the fact the votes are there to support that. The, the sad thing, though, is that uh, how are you going to, if, if in fact votes were put in the incinerator or, you know, how are you going to well, be able that's, well, if the votes are, no, that's, here's the thing. If the votes are put in the incinerator, then they don't count. Because mm. you say, how did you get to this total with this many votes missing? Yeah. The problem is, as we just, you know, in Pennsylvania, Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court Justice, told Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania, keep all the, elect the votes you have after Election Day separate from the ones you gathered prior to Election Day, when, by the way, Trump was up by like 12% in Pennsylvania. Right. Um, and, you know, that, that was a direct order from the Supreme Court justice. What do you want to bet 
Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania didn't separate the pre and post votes. Yeah. Uh, additionally, they were blockading Republican poll watchers. A court told them to let them back in, and they didn't do that. Right. Um, and so again, okay, some of these people go to jail, but you can't prove what they did or didn't do in the room because they already did it. Yeah, no, that's right. And it's and we, you know, we found a bunch of ballots, I believe, in Michigan. Yeah. That had Biden checked off and no other office voted for. Right. Because they were in such a hurry to get Biden ballots into the system. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's thievery. The problem is, it's so easy. Once the ballots are in the pile, how do you di- how do you differentiate? Exactly. I mean, this uh, uh, Senator uh, Patrick Kolbeck, who's a state senator in Michigan, he said at ten o'clock in the morning on November the third at Michigan polling station, a Wayne County poll worker saw a warning on the system that was used. That it said, "Warning: This computer is being hacked." <laughs> well, you know, there's going to be all kinds of anecdotal stuff like that. You've yeah. got to talk to all these people, get them to sign affidavits or, you know, that, that kind of thing, yeah. and accumulate them. Um, the old saying in, in mathematics is uh, anecdotes, plural, don't equal data. You know, right. you've got to have, right. to, to convince, a, you know, a, a judge, or in this case, a, maybe even a justice, and five of them, um, you have to have, you know, compelling data that, that supports the the charges of fraud um again i just it's so there's so many ways you know when you when you pile mail-in ballots into cannons and shoot them all over the country yeah it's just it's the the the, the, i mean the, the hardest part of all this is most of the groundwork for this theft was done months ago of course all the all the all the good you know the the ballot integrity laws that that people that the good people of Pennsylvania and Michigan and Nevada and Wisconsin and Georgia had passed were challenged by their Democrat overlords in court. Yeah. So and then single you know leftist judges overthrew the will of the people and in the, and in the course of doing that destroyed the integrity of the election. Yeah. Well, I've said this a couple of times on the show, and I really mean it. It's it's, it's so important that the attorney general. Uh, Bill Barr has stepped up and said we're going to do an uh, overall investigation of this to make, and and the purpose is not to the purpose is to secure the fact in the in the minds of all voters that this process has been reviewed and it is it is the outcome is fair. Well, and as Trump said over the weekend, you know this isn't just about me anymore. Yeah, this is do we ever again entrust the integrity of the elections? And I, I'm afraid. Yeah, you know I, there are a bunch of people. You know I'm in the I'm in the D, I'm tangentially involved in the D.C. swamp, and I saw a bunch of people who were vociferously anti-Trump suddenly become pro-Trump. Huh. And I think, I think a lot of them were revealed to have done so for professional reasons and convenience reasons, because the moment, the moment Biden eked out a, a legal win over Trump, oh, it's time for Trump to go. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they can't wait to be rid of him now that they have an opportunity to be rid of him. And here, this is the problem. You've got a bunch of people who weren't involved in politics who were drawn into politics by the Tea Party. Right. And then D.C., in a bipartisan fashion, Republicans and Democrats, crushed the Tea Party. So they said, okay, fine, we played nice. Now we're not going to play so nice. Have some, have some Trump. So they get behind Trump. And now D.C., in bipartisan fashion, has screwed Donald Trump. Yeah. 
So my concern is the I've I've had it contingent. The mm. people said I'm not. What difference does it make if I get involved in waste? You know, all this time I could have spent with my families or making more money at work or anything, any other productive means, I've wasted trying to fix a system that doesn't want me to fix it. Exactly. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Also, you can find great columns in Red State. Uh, Seton, uh, and also on Facebook as well. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She is my wife. It even feels funny to say that on the show, but uh, she writes a column, very popular. It's called Greetings in Paradise. She also is so well-informed about everything that's going on, so we'll find out what's on her mind. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide two and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, building a new performing arts center in the middle of downtown Naples, and you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She is the author of a great newsletter she sends out periodically. It's not ti- all the time, but... Uh, it's called Greetings in Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Greetings from Paradise. From Paradise, exactly. Oh. Don't screw it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know, uh, you have been deeply invested in what's going on here in, in the uh, political scene, and I just would appreciate your thoughts on what you're seeing. Um, I think it's just fascinating to watch, and it's also fascinating to see how many people don't want to watch and see what's going on because I think it's it's fascinating on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So what's most interesting to you right now? I mean, to me, it looks like, I look at the difference here in Pennsylvania, for example, the difference is about 46,000 votes that the president is currently behind, so-called, so-called counted votes up to this point. In Michigan, the difference is what it looks like about... Uh, 150,000 votes, and that's a big difference. I mean, I I wonder, with all all the accusations, can this really be pulled off, do you think? Yeah, and and what's interesting is that the mainstream media um, is doing everything that it can 
to just say this is not widespread fraud, to downplay it, to make it seem like it's nothing, that that um, Trump is just barking up a wrong tree. But what's interesting, what I found yesterday, mm-hmm. was that Real Clear Politics, which is the average of all these uh, statistics that are put in, in the, that they usually, uh, Real Clear Politics, uh, Tom Bevan, is usually on Fox all the time, and and he's a pretty very reliable source. So he's got a compilation of all the things that are going on. Real clear politics, in spite of the mainstream media calling uh, that that Joe Biden has been elected president, real clear politics never did. Mm-hmm. They never called Joe Biden was president. They never called Pennsylvania for Biden. Mm. They're still they're still hanging back, which I find, and they're a reliable source. They're very good about and about being accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's so true. So uh, yesterday, the president decided to let Esper go, the Department of Defense secretary, uh, in this whole mix of things. What do you think? What do you think is going on? I think a bunch of things are going on. I I can't even pretend to guess what what Trump is thinking, but I think you had some insight on it yesterday. And the other thing, uh, when we were talking about why why Esper was fired, because Esper was just. Um, butting heads with Trump the whole way. Mm-hmm. That combined with this quote-unquote warp speed to get the this vaccine out all over the country, I think there's uh, another goal in mind with um, getting the, the, the army or the armed forces out to spread this quote-unquote vaccine. I think there's another, another tack he's taking. Oh, that's an interesting observation. My thought was that uh, he anticipates once this election is, goes to Trump, I thought he, uh, he, he said that there could be some rebellion in the streets, and we, Esper has expressed his reluctance to get troops out on the streets to quell a rebellion. So I thought that might be the reason for the change. But also, to your point, I mean, uh, he's also, the president's reference, the Department of Defense, the Army, uh, of uh, getting the virus out to all the locations so people can have a quick quick uh, take. Yeah, so, so um, he's, he's, he's going to get the armed forces out to uh, give out this, this vaccine to whoever wants it, yeah. but it's for another purpose, too. And I think it's really interesting, what I read yesterday was that uh, General Mattis um, encouraged Esper to butt heads with Trump. Yeah. So that's a, that's a whole other tack. It certainly raises the whole issue about the president having uh, the bureaucracy you know, for example, Department of Defense or wherever it might be, it's there are all kinds of people that don't support the president in the bureaucracy right now. Slow walking things, not following directions and so forth. So it's not just the mainstream media. It's not just the social media now, but it's uh, also, of course, uh, the Democrat Party as well as the bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. Um, it's everybody in the mainstream media. I just noticed uh, this morning or last night, I guess it was, on Twitter that MSNBC had this um, – uh, contributor John Meacham, who was, um, he's on there all the time. They fired him because they found out he was in in the tank with Joe Biden, that he was writing Joe Biden's acceptance speech and whatever. So um, there's things going on with CNN. There's, as we know, there's things going on at Fox News. Um, uh, the mainstream media is, I read a, a little quote this morning on Twitter, which said, the mainstream media is taking itself down. It's taking itself down all by itself. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's it certainly looks that way to me. This, uh, I guess her name is Kathy uh, Murdoch, uh, has decided she's gleeful that actually that uh, 
Biden has been declared president by the uh, by the news media, and the consequence of that is uh, even Tucker Carlson last night expressed some displeasure. I think with what's happening at uh, Fox News, and I don't think she realizes that there are other choices that we have, like Newsmax TV, for example, or War Room Pandemic. <laughs> with Steve, Steve Bannon, yeah. But you know what's really interesting is that is that what I told you last night? What Lachlan Murdoch um, had been quoted as saying, who was the CEO of of Fox News. Mm-hmm. And he says, he's, he's considering that all of us are stupid. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, well, this election um, um, fervor dies down and everybody goes back to normal. Uh, everybody will come back to Fox because, because you know, we're, we're, we've been okay all along and they know that, but, but they, they won't. Yeah, pride precedeth the fall, right? <laughs> exactly right. He thinks, he thinks he's such, such um, a big name and, and he's got a control of everything. His wife just threw him under the bus with 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 the quote, um, "We did it." Yeah. After Fox, um, well, he may he may want to check in with, for example, the NBA and what the results might exactly. be. <laughs> I mean, people when they when they get this, I you know, if I for one have not once clicked on Fox News since she did that. I mean, I've, I'm uh, I'm really just not going to do uh, use them as a resource anymore. Well, it's really interesting, and tell me when you want me to stop, but but. What's so interesting, I, I turned on Fox and Friends this morning just to see how their reaction is because they're, Fox News is plummeting. They've, they've lost millions, mm-hmm. millions. And you can tell if you watch their eyes, there's fear in their eyes. And they're trying to, to say, because Fox and Friends was always on the side of Trump pretty much. Mm-hmm. And they're trying, trying to, to backpedal a little bit and say, oh, well, uh, the, the election's not over yet. The elections and Trump has every right to investigate, um, but they know they know that they've lost big time. Well, and uh, the, you know they're also walking the fence, aren't they? Because they're trying to please the corporate bosses, but they also have their own points of view, which I think are being compromised right now. And if, if uh, it's it's just a sad state of affairs, it just makes me wonder how long, for example, Tucker Carlson might might stay on Fox News. Exactly, he, he may stay stay at another end. So I'm going to ask you the uh, million dollar question here. Uh, how's this all going to come out? Uh, the only thing that I that I know for sure is that Donald Trump retweeted this morning uh, a tweet from an, another person that I follow, and he said nothing can stop what's coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but keep in mind that Donald Trump also said the United States will never be a socialist country. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like uh, Biden has already made it pretty clear where this Green New Deal is going to start. We're going to join the Paris Accord. We're going to get everybody all masked up. <laughs> By the way, I, I just quickly, I, I watched Joe Biden, uh, clips of Joe Biden's speech yesterday. That man is not happy. He's miserable, and he's got the look of fear in his eyes. And like you brought up, he knows, he knows that people are at, that. He knows that people know the truth. And meaning that, uh, so Biden probably is aware of the game plan and what's happened with, with regard to fake votes and all the things that are going on. The question is, is it going to be enough to pull Biden over the finish line? Trump seems very confident it's not. Uh, apparently some of these uh, poll watchers were all attorneys. All attorneys. Interesting, Arizona this morning, um, that vote is within 1% going back to Trump. So that's going to lead to a, to a, a recount. In any event, uh, so uh, it uh, it's looking good for Trump. We'll see. I mean, fifty thousand, one hundred fifty thousand votes—that's that's a big hurdle. But uh, you know, hopefully, the truth will prevail. 
Yeah, it's it's you know what it's not allowing me to get anything else done because it's so fascinating. To <laughs> yes, watch. so I know we're going to continue this conversation later, but we're going to say goodbye to our listeners again. Thank Linda, thank you so much for being on the show. Have a great day. All right, if and you can read uh, "Greetings from Paradise." Uh, which is Linda's column, uh, on my website. You can go for all the ones from the past year. You can go to uh, uh, Greetings from Paradise, which is a pull-down tab at the top of the website. You'll find Greetings from Paradise. That's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, and, by the way, tomorrow we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute will be with us. Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of How Everything Happened, Including Us. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>